Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson, the podcast where she speaks to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about why they connect with nature. Raised in northern Alberta near Fort McMurray, Tracy Little grew up hunting and foraging with her forester father, first because it was practical why spend money at the grocery store when there's perfectly good food growing and available right beside you. Later, she developed an appreciation for the food that tells a story about the place it comes from. That passion for hyper-local food that evokes a multi-sensory experience is a driving force behind Sauvage, her restaurant in the mountain town of Canmore, Alberta. Please welcome Chef Tracy Little. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> we met the last time I was visiting my sister out west. You own and are the chef of the restaurant my sister works at in Canmore. So how did you settle on one of the best mountain towns in North America? And your restaurant, of course, Sauvage. About 11 years ago, I was living in London, Ontario, going to culinary school. And there wasn't that many jobs available in restaurants that were really cool out there. So I thought I would apply to a fly-in fishing lodge in the middle of the north. There was a guy that I worked with at the fishing lodge up in the north, and uh, he lived in Canmore. And he asked me, how comfortable are you in Ontario? Like, you're such a redneck. <laughs> and I think it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. I hate my life there. Um, I just don't really fit into that kind of scene. Um, so I packed up everything and I moved out west and discovered this crazy, beautiful mountain town and just never want to leave. You're originally from northern Alberta, though, right? Yes, I'm from Fort McMurray. So that kind of makes sense. Maybe you wanted to be closer to the mountains and kind of where you're from, or was it more or less like, no, no, I like this place specifically? It's definitely, I like this place specifically. I've visited other mountain towns and I love Alberta. It's just a great province, but <laughs> there's something magical about this little mountain town. There's just some crazy sense of community and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't find too many other places. And it was in Fort McMurray where your love of the outdoors and foraging started with your dad, right? Absolutely. His passion is the outdoors. If he could play outside and just live outside, he would. He consistently made me play outside when I was young. <laughs> it took a little bit of pushing, but eventually that's where I wanted to be. What kind of stuff did you and your dad do together? Well, it's pretty unlimited. He's <laughs> a very <laughs> avid outdoorsman, so it doesn't matter what it is. But uh, definitely fishing, and he started taking me hunting and stuff like that, as well as his love is trees, as dorky as that sounds. I love hearing him talk about trees. He's so passionate. But he would go out on little walks and just be like, oh, what kind of tree is this, and blah, 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 and teach you so much about them. Are you constantly reminded of how much you learn from your dad? Or do you have to sometimes stop and take a second and be like, whoa, like the, the reason that I'm probably like this is because I grew up like that? 
I think it dawns on me the more I communicate with him. I'm like, oh God, that's where I get it from. You know how sometimes when you're growing up, you dread <laughs> turning into your parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually kind of lucky that I took on a lot of his personality. It worked out for me. <laughs> Was there anything that you guys did when you were kids that you refused to? Well, you I know you hunt now, right? Yes. Is there anything that you don't do that you guys did as a kid or did he try to show you? No, even when it comes to uh, fixing his vehicle, it was pretty funny. Growing up, he'd be working on the car and he'd be like, you come here, sit down and learn this because it's too expensive to take it in. Um, so even to this day, I still fix my own vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> You have so many skills that I think a lot of us wish wish we had. You know what you'd probably really be good at is like those survival shows, like <laughs> which actually we'll we'll talk about later. But I think you'd be really good in the apocalypse. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> I'm frequently told that if something ever goes down, that I would be the person people will follow. <laughs> do you have any plans? Like, okay, you're gonna forage, you're gonna hunt, you're gonna do this. Like, do you have anything mapped out in your head for the near apocalypse? Or is it uh, is it more <laughs> just conversation so far? I once actually dated a guy who was one of those, what do you call them, preppers? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know this, obviously, when we first started dating. But I was like, what is this big box at the end of your bed? And he was like, oh, that's my go box or whatever. But it was really funny because after that experience, I sometimes joke with the idea in my head like oh okay this is where I would go if something happened and <laughs> just like humor me what do you remember what was in his go box oh my god he had everything from antibiotics to like <laughs> rain gear and hunting stuff it was pretty intense yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 well like even I went hiking this past weekend in upstate New York and um went with some like really amazing athletic women but like I'm <laughs> Just because I've been hiking like so much and like by myself that I'm like very like over prepared <laughs> when I go hiking. Like if I break something or if I'm stuck in the woods, right? But I think you just learn over time like what you need to be prepared for, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like sometimes though I take for granted, I get a little cocky and I take for granted, oh, I'm not going to hurt myself. I definitely underprepare for things and then always get caught with my pants down. <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to your first job. You said it was, it was in Saskatchewan, one of your one of your first jobs? Yeah, uh, Milton Lake Lodge, Saskatchewan. So is this like a fancy lodge? Like what, what was that like? And, and I want to know a little bit more about how you got from there to owning your own place in Canmore. <laughs> Quite the story. So it was really freaking cool because it was 800 kilometers from the nearest town so you literally have to drive to this northern it was called points north but it's this crazy northern tiny airport that's just float planes and then you fly on this tiny sketchy plane i'm pretty sure the pilot may have been intoxicated don't quote me on that uh, <laughs> was it coffee in a cup but uh he takes you up another hour by plane and like, you're literally dropped into the middle of nowhere. So if like, not enough food is brought up for the guests or the weather gets crazy, it definitely happened once that we couldn't get an order of food. And you're like, Oh, God, but I thought it was really cool. Because that's where I connected the skills that my dad had taught me about the things that are available to eat around us. And I was like, holy crap, I can still totally 
make fine dining meals for these people because you have to cook for the staff and up to 23 guests as well, three meals a day. So it's a lot. But it was so cool because you go out and all of a sudden you start recognizing there was a lot of things that grew in Fort McMurray that also grew up in northern Saskatchewan. And uh, yeah, it just clicked. <laughs> when I came to Canmore, I worked at a couple of restaurants around here, but I really didn't feel at home anywhere. There wasn't, it's not too often that you can find a restaurant owner that's going to be cool with you as a chef going out into the back and picking a bunch of stuff and trying to put it on a plate for people, you know? They're like, what's the health inspector going to think? So I had to kind of take that gamble on my own. And unfortunately, the timing was a little questionable because it was right before the pandemic when we ended up signing the papers for the place. But my brother helped me purchase a local restaurant that was for sale, and we slowly turned it into my dream. And I've, I've had multiple dishes from there before and very, very lucky because my sister Jen brought me there. And just like things that I never thought I would try, but I'm a pretty like open eater. Like I'm pretty open to things. Like I think it was, was there elk tartare? Can you give me some, like a, some examples of what you might find at your restaurant that other people where you might not see it like Boston pizza? Yeah. <laughs> well, to start it off. So I started doing tasting menu only. And taking the options away from people because I wanted them to kind of be more adventurous. And it's been fantastic. So on our menu currently right now, one of my favorite dishes is actually called Ants on a Log. And uh, it's actually a chocolate mousse. And then we go out and we forage these thatching ants and candy them. And they have formic acid in them. So they're extremely like lemon pop in your mouth. So we put those on the dark chocolate mousse and it's fantastic. What else do we have? Some bison carpaccio and I do have elk. I try to cook with the game meats because they're farmed more sustainably than the traditional beef and chicken and pork. So it's good for the environment. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Let's take this outside with Marianne Iveson. I do definitely want to talk about uh, sustainability and how you conserve the environment while foraging, but I'm so out of my element when it comes to this stuff. I know nothing about foraging, but you're the expert. Can you just like define what foraging is? People always say foraging for mushrooms, but it's so much more than mushrooms. Actually, it's a very contentious issue for me. 
There's a lot of shit. (laughs) It's a a buzzword right now to hear, oh, there's a chef and they forage. And they might go out once a year and pick a couple berries and then feature that in a dish. But we're really hardcore where we try to make sure that like at least 40% of our menu is actually foraged. Um, So whether that's out there digging roots or picking, I love working with invasive greens. There's actually a lot of stuff that was brought over by the settlers that has exploded and it's horrible for the environment. So by picking those things, we're giving the indigenous plants a chance to grow and it's awesome. <laughs> so everything from the, these invasive, uh, what are they called? The invasive plants or yeah. vegetables or, <laughs> uh, or roots or um, from that to mushrooms to, uh, so when it comes to hunting, like how do you do that and, and, then of course serve it to your guests. Like, how does that happen? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to hunt and serve it in the restaurants. So the most oh, I can okay, do is okay. ants. But uh, working with ants, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but working with uh, local farmers who actually raise elk and bison. Usually, those are farmed together, actually, which is really cool. But working with them, it's so much more sustainable. For example, they require twenty percent of the amount of water that traditional cows require. So right there, you're helping the environment huge time. But the other thing is they don't pull greens out by the roots. So plants actually have a chance to continue growing after the cattle have been through. Is there anything that's been like evasive or something that you've really wanted to maybe put in a dish that you haven't been able to find or something that has that you have discovered you're like oh my gosh this is like once in a lifetime opportunity so wood lilies grow around here but unfortunately it takes them seven years to get to the point where they can bloom so as beautiful and delicious as they are i just can't bring myself to pick them it kills me so conservation always over foraging absolutely yes you kind of already answered my question about conservation and how you do it so thank (laughs) you for for including that in there that worked out. <laughs> Something also that's new to you is crabbing. Never heard of it. Saw some pictures. Um, what is crabbing and can you use it in Alberta? Can you do that? <laughs> so I was recently on vacation on the West Coast and uh, I always go out every year. I call it my pilgrimage to see the seals. But there's this one hotel in Sook, and at night, the seals actually jump onto the dock, and they kind of hang out with you. They're trying to sleep, but you're bugging them. But they're my homies. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I realized this year, uh, as I sat there drinking my sparkling bubbles, uh, my sparkling juice under the full moon, it was quite gorgeous. Uh, I looked down into the water, and the whole seafloor was just moving and it was just, as soon as your eyes adjusted to the dark, you realized it was crabs. They all came out at night. and It was so cool. So the next morning I spent researching, are you allowed to fish for them in the dark, obviously? Getting my license, driving to Canadian Tire to buy traps. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they eat chickens. So we put chicken into the traps and threw them down. What? Yeah. And you also have to become an expert very quickly on how to tell a male from a female because you can't keep females and they have to be over a certain size. So we didn't have a ruler. We used an iPhone to measure them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it yeah. was the most amazing experience. And uh, 
the girl I was with, uh, she was like a child. She was so excited and she was running back and forth to the traps so quickly to keep checking them. And it just made my heart sing. It was fantastic. I can't wait to do it again. Unfortunately, the crabs didn't make it home, <laughs> but I don't think we would be allowed to use them out here, but we'll see in the future. Maybe I can get a restaurant on the West Coast and have them out there. I love that you're dreaming. There's other ways that uh, nature has kind of collided with your restaurant. Is this common for bears to break into restaurants in Canmore <laughs> or in like heavily, heavily wooded areas? Does that ha- like, is that a normal thing? So living in a wildlife corridor, it's not uncommon for bears to look at people as a food source. Unfortunately, you can witness tourists offering bears pizza and stuff like that. So unfortunately, yeah, they've, uh, they've associated us with food. And infamously, a couple of years ago, there was a restaurant downtown called Gaucho's that a bear ran into because he could smell the meat cooking and he got really excited. I had the pleasure of having a mom and two cubs come to try to check in at my restaurant. Unfortunately, we didn't have any reservations available. So they just (laughs) grabbed some brown sugar on their way out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like they're casing other places lately as well. So hopefully they'll just be relocated and everything will be fine. There was another restaurant too, though, that seems suiting that they broke into, right? <laughs> yeah, the Grizzly Paw, ironically, it's named. <laughs> I, I love that. That's like, that's perfection. I wish there was pictures of like the sign and the bears <laughs> all together. Is there, does that exist? I don't think so. The CEOs had the place locked down pretty tight, but <laughs> <laughs> I can creep around Facebook. I'm sure someone's got something. Yeah, yeah. How much does your connection to nature play into your food, your business, and your overall happiness? I think it's very tightly connected. <laughs> Traditionally, when you go into a restaurant as a chef to work, you go in in the morning and you just put your head down and you give her until the evening after everyone's ready for bed and you're still working. <laughs> So I think it's good psychologically for my team and I to have that break where we have to go out and forage and obtain these ingredients for the restaurant. So that part's super healthy and beneficial for us. And then it's incredible as well to give people a taste of place, these ingredients that they walk by every single day and wouldn't associate with something that tastes amazing um, and can look like art. So to connect them with what's around them. That's pretty amazing. I'm sure it happens sometimes, but people know what they're getting themselves into, especially when they're going in with a tasting menu, right? Uh, You would hope so. (laughs) I'm sure that, as you're aware, people are horrible at actually reading descriptions. So sometimes we do have people that are like, oh, this restaurant looks good, and they just book it and come in. And the next thing you know, you're trying to feed them ants. And they're like, excuse me? What? <laughs> Where's my chicken fingers? Like, yes. this is what, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit of education on our part, too. Like, as soon as they walk in the door, it's become a customary question. Do you know what we do here? <laughs> <laughs> we just want to double check before you sit down and yeah. spend the next couple hours here. <laughs> yeah. You have a couple very exciting things. Um, I'm trying to remember when this is going to air, but uh, I think your episode will have already aired when this podcast episode airs. But 
you appeared on a new cooking series called Chefs vs. Wild, which airs on Disney Plus in Canada. This is wild. This is amazing. <laughs> what can you say? Like, what is the show about? And I know you appeared and I know you can't say much more, but <laughs> what is the show about? There's two chefs in each episode that are dropped off into the middle of nowhere and uh, they have to forage and survive and there's a cooking competition at the end. It's pretty intense. It was absolutely one of the best experiences of my life and I'm like, what else can I say? <laughs> can I ask if it was filmed in Canada? Do yes, you know? it was filmed in Canada. Yeah, in British Columbia where it's so beautiful. Maybe you had kind of hometown, not hometown, but like home country advantage too, right? That you maybe knew. So I know you can't say much more, but maybe you knew the foliage, you knew the foraging, you knew. So I'm looking forward to seeing your episode. There's a lot of stuff that grows out there that doesn't grow around here. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and also, I just saw this. This November, you're competing in Canada's Great Kitchen Party in Calgary. That sounds so Canadian. What is that? And are you excited? Oh my God. So this is a bucket list competition ever since I was a young culinary student. It's been something that I just have always wanted to do and it's invite only. So to have the opportunity to do it this year, to compete in it this year is amazing. And I feel like I'm David versus Goliath against number one, most of the chefs that I'm up against are male, except for I think there's one other female. So that's pretty cool. But they're all from like big name restaurants. And then there's just little me coming in, but it used to be called gold medal plates. It's Canada's premier culinary competition. So in order to qualify, we need to beat this regional competition on November 3rd. And if we win that, then we actually go on. And by we, like my whole team is invested in this. They have to be. <laughs> and then, yeah, if we win the regional, then we go on to February in Ottawa. We're like the best in Canada. So it's pretty insane. <laughs> That's where I live. So that'd be crazy. That'd be so crazy. You that guys can all cool. crash in my one bedroom apartment. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can at least come taste the food. That would be pretty cool. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. And what's crazy is like, this is just kind of the beginning for you, right? I feel like the momentum is catching on, you know, you work for years and slowly you start to see the rewards from it obviously like the world pandemic and other stuff hasn't helped <laughs> but um yeah it's crazy it feels like everything's kind of blowing up now and I'm so excited for what's in store I have not covered foraging yet on this podcast and I'm so glad we had a chance to chat and um thank you for sharing your love of nature with me and uh and how you use it in a sustainable and, and beautiful way and to feed others Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love sharing it as much as possible. Thanks for listening. For more Let's Take This Outside, go to letstakethisoutside.ca. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind 
check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.